Bubbles lift notes of red fruit with layers of fresh citrus, leading to a crisp finish. Masterfully crafted, unexpectedly refreshing, Apothic Sparkling Red is a limited edition sparkling red wine with a hint of mischief. So we went with um, the sparkling red because Hollow Kingdom is a dystopian. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I like, am kind of meh about the wine itself, I do think it matches the book pretty well. It does match... It does match the book. Although I'm less meh about the book. I liked the book a I lot. liked the book. Um, I... The book freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I, I obviously had, like, some overall thoughts, but at least just to start us off, there was one point in the middle, I was just like, I'm tired. Yes. <laughs> I was like, it was slow at this moment, and then it really picked up and it kind did. of ended greatly. It did. Um, Wait. Do we like the wine? You want to talk about the wine oh, first? Oh, let's talk about the wine. And you, you described it perfectly before we started recording. It's like raspberry airborne. So like the stuff you take when you're getting sick and you're like, I need extra vitamin C and you take airborne or emergency or one of those. Very similar. It's like a raspberry flavored version of that. Which is like fine. It's fine. Exactly. It's just just fine. Like if I'm It's very, very sweet. And it's between this and water. Like I'm probably going to take this. Yeah. But if there's anything else, I'll probably go take that. Um, yeah, but I will say, I think it goes really well. Because the reason we went with, like, this particular sparkling red was because it said, like, hints of red fruit. And and at one point, ST, the main character of um, the book, says that trust tastes like raspberries. And I loved th- I wrote that quote down. Let me see if I can find where it is. Um... I have so many notes on this book. Yeah, this is. I, this might be over. I think it's gonna be a good episode. I think that um, Alexa's gonna have a fucking field day with the titles. Yes. Um. So the main character's name St stands for shit turd, which makes total sense. Yes, it does. Um. He's a he's a crow. He's, he's a domesticated a, he's a crow. Domesticated crow. Um. Also, just trigger warning. There's gonna be a lot of profanity in this episode just by nature of the book. Yeah, so. the book just is riddled with it, and we're gonna talk about it. And we're gonna quote it. So fucking deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, ST is a very foul-mouthed bird, so... Um, yeah, as he should be. His name is literally shit turd. Um, I have so many quotes. Okay, wait, do you want to... Oh, you want to read the back? The back? Okay. Can, you want me to do it? You got it. I got it. Okay. okay. So, Hollow, King, Hollow Kingdom. 
by Kira Jane Buxton. ST, a domesticated crow, is a bird of simple pleasures. He spends his days hanging out with his owner, Big Jim, avoiding the slobbering affection of Big Jim's loyal but dim-witted dog, Dennis. <laughs> Treating insults with Seattle's wild crows, binge-watching nature documentaries, and binge-eating the finest feud, feud, the finest food humankind has to offer, Cheetos. <laughs> then, on a beautiful summer evening, Big Jim's eyeball falls out of his head. And ST starts to feel like something isn't quite right. When his tried-and-true remedies, from beak-delivered beer to an inventive cocktail of stolen pharmacy drugs, fail to bring Big Jim back to health, ST is left with no choice but to abandon his old life and venture out with his trusty steed, Dennis, to find a cure. Outside the safety of his home, the city of Seattle is a wild and frightening new world. But Jim's neighbors, victims of the same mysterious... I don't know how to say that word... It was like m'lady. Malady. The same mysterious m'lady. The virus, guys. Malady. Are now devouring everything warm blood in their path, and the once orderly suburbs have become feral jungles. Meanwhile, local wildlife is abuzz with cryptic rumors, which the cowardly ST has no choice but to follow if he wants to rescue the only world he knows from certain destruction. Brimming with hope and heart, this irrepressible debut introduces humanity's improbable hero in the form of a foul-mouthed crow with a moderate to severe junk food addiction who believes that, despite all of its flaws, the world is worth saving. I like this too. You want to give us an overview of the characters? Yeah, I have a character list. I know you do. You always do. Big Jim, the human. Big Jim the is... The mofo. The mofo. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess Big Jim's pretty foul-mouthed as well. He's like this good old country boy who... Drinks. Which is wild because this is set in Seattle, so like right. I don't know why they'd have a country boy right. Republican dude in he, Seattle. He but. likes girls with big titties and blonde hair, and he drinks a lot of beer and passes out in his recliner, and he calls everyone mofos. Yes. So therefore, St. Um, the crow believes that all humans are called mofos. So from here on out, when we say mofo, we're talking about the human race. Yes. So Big Jim is the main mofo who owns St. <laughs> Uh, Big Jim also is the owner of Dennis, which is like this cute little bloodhound. Um, and uh, those are the main characters. We also have some important characters like Onita, who is like an all-knowing octopus. Yes. We um, have Cry. Cry, which literally translates to crow, fun fact. Does it really? Yeah, in Dutch. That's cool. Uh, he's like the king crow, sort of. He's, he's like, like the head of the their head murder. of the college murder. Which, there was so much fun murder play. I know, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it so much. Um, and I feel like the other characters we can get to in our chronological. The three main ones are Big Jim, Shit Turd, ST, and Dennis. Yes. I don't even want to do Quotes Corner because I think... There are so many? There are so many that it just makes sense to go chronologically. Can I at least list to you my favorite insults? Yes! I have a list. Yes! All right, ready? Yes. Turd Waffle. Yes. I'm gonna save the actually I'm gonna save the best one for last. Okay, turd waffle, gigantic poliferous orange. <laughs> you clay-brained barnacle. You're a keg of sautéed cat pee. You're a douche flute. You're a fuzzy death potato with all of your ass trumpets. You common conehead, ice balls, dick goblin, skittle-brained scoundrel. Happy Meal Without Any Nuggets, and my <laughs> personal favorite, You Dildo Nose Potato. <laughs> and those are just some of the insults there that are, are so many. this book. There are so many. So if you want to like up your insult game, check this one out. Um, yes. I have actually, 
Yes. So I have a lot of notes on penguins. Um, <laughs> I, figured, I figured that you would. My first note actually is on page three, and I said, I'm cracking up this crow's opinions on the dog, Dennis. And then this is a quote. I'd like to point out that during this time, a time of great emotional duress and general uncertainty, Dennis did absolutely nothing except whiz all over the lazy boy and yarf on the carpet. I tried my best to clean it up, but really, he's not my responsibility. <laughs> True. Like, and then they become best friends. <laughs> so do you want to like give a quick overview of how it happens in the book? Um, okay, so essentially, at the beginning of the book, um, ST is with Big Jim and Big Jim's eyeball falls out real quick and then Big Jim is like not Big Jim anymore and so he ST and Dennis are like trying to live and like revive Big Jim and then that doesn't really work and so they end up leaving and discovering that all of the mofos are sick um, and are you getting the other two? Yeah I wanted the spicy one. I like the spicy ones um, so and then so ST goes out and is like, hey, Aura, which is apparently how the birds talk to each other, um, how do I learn shit? And how do I save shit? I want to save my mofo. So he goes to see Oneida. Onida? You say Onida. Onida. Okay, Onida. And then Onida's an octopus, and Onida's like, you're the one who keeps. And we're like, what the fuck is that? And then um, he basically is tasked with saving the rest of the domestic animals. Right. And so he leverages his, like, mofo creativity and teams up with Dennis and a couple other domestics to save the rest of the domestics. And then eventually he joins a murder of the college crows and they help save way more domestics because they were having trouble doing it just like him and Dennis. And then there's a couple of, like, bigger battles that happen towards the end because now that the mofos are gone, it's, like everyone's battling for territory and so the the birds are trying to keep control over the cities and humans are zombies zombies but also like mutating to try and yeah, stay so, alive like, the humans start out as like zombie like creatures that you'd see in like regular pop culture but then and they go they get sick because of their connectivity to yeah. like like addicted to screens yeah which, like, I have a whole discussion point about that. But, <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, the humans... So, like, screens and, like, being always connected to the internet or the phone or computer is, like, a cancer. And in order to beat the cancer, you become the cancer. Mm -hmm. So the humans are just adapting into these zombies and weird, like, spider creatures. Some are, like... Ostriches. Yeah. Like, <laughs> weird, mutated animals. And it's all just about surviving. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, ST and Dennis are trying to save all of the domesticated animals because they can't open their own doors and they will mm -hmm. just die of starvation in their homes. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the book is their adventure. Yeah, and then, and then, um, spoiler alert, it ends with them finding a healthy human baby. So yeah, wild! What the fuck are we supposed to do with that information? I have a lot of points. Okay. I have a lot of points. All right, so, um, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. Um, the first reference to a penguin is on page four. And not as adorable as the ham-beast-bellied egg timer commonly known as a penguin. <laughs> and he shits on penguins the whole book until, he's, like, the very Until end. he, like, meets a penguin. Yeah. And then he's like, penguins are fucking awesome! Which, like, if you remember from one of the pre- one of our first episodes and some of the tears on our uh, Patreon page, Chrissy likes penguins. Penguins are my favorite animal. Because they have no knees, okay? <laughs> and they cuddle for warmth, and it's amazing. Um... Anyways, yeah. Um, 
What did you think about the the chapters that were inserted that were like from the points of view of other animals? I loved them. They were really cool. But I was wondering why the different formatting of text. I don't know. I, I liked it. I loved it. But it was really interesting because like the whales, the whale one was almost like a poem in yes. that it was like a song. Yes. There were some in Arabic. Uh huh. That was the camels. Yes. And then there was one. You got to see the polar, polar bears. bears. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was cool. Uh, the dog, Winnie the Poodle, who talks, who poodle. speaks in third in, poodle. In the third poodle. In the third okay, poodle. Okay, but Genghis the cat. Genghis the cat. The, re, if you don't read this book, go read chapter four. The only context you need is that humans are now zombies. Please just go read chapter yes, four. I made amazing. Solomon Alexa read chapter four. Did you really? Yeah. Oh my Did God. they like it? It was incredible. Yeah, they liked it. It was that ch- that chapter four sets the tone for the book, and I'm in love with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long is chapter four? I could just read that. Right I there. I know. I was thinking about it. It's two pages. Is it? Yeah. Like two and a half. No. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read it? Sure. I'll take the first two. You take the last two. Sure. All right. Chapter four. Genghis Cat, a home in Capitol Hill, Seattle, Washington, USA. There has been a change in the order of things, and I can't quite put my claw on it. My observations. Number one, it's quieter out there. This makes the game more interesting. Number two, there are no sprinting cars to compete with over squirrels. Number three, there's a lot more to hunt. Number four, there are plenty more hunters to fight it for. Hunters of all kinds. Number five, there's there's decidedly less cheese available. (laughs) Perhaps it's due to a shift in the lunar light, a cosmic spell, or because I have finally mastered my innate feline sorcery. One thing that hasn't changed my mediocre servants still never seem to leave the home. I believe, if it's at all possible, that they have devolved. According to my calculations, they now spend 186% of their time growling at the wall. <laughs> but I have always known them to be a lower life form, no better than slug-tongued, alopecia-stricken bears with a, a epically shitty balance. They are eggs <laughs> on legs with no discernible senses and the reflexes of a bugle stuffed with brine shrimp. <laughs> I have watched with my unparalleled vision and laser pointer focus as my mediocre servants jab at the wall repeatedly with their fingers, or what's left of them. Up to down, up to down, both are overdue for thorough grooming, which their own mothers wouldn't attempt at this point. Today, wait, hold everything while I groom my inner thigh! Today, my mediocre servants, (laughs) the girl with one long mane and the girl one with all the skin drawings who both like to stay at home and talk about chemistry science until the coffee ran out, smell like a microwave litter box. No longer do they turn on their silver lap boxes, which is characteristically selfish of them because it is a classically renowned nap location. <laughs> the warm spots, silver lap box, top of a tall, cold food house, winter bed blanket, top of their sacred, quote, wine fridge, mediocre servant's thighs, while she's on the white seat that roars, have been confiscated. They appear to be staging some sort of feeble protest by refusing to replenish my dehydrated niblet stash. I have conducted experiments using techniques that used to be fairly effective knocking over the French press, unraveling their shoddy knitting, chewing the covers of every book in the library, shitting on pillows, shredding the couch, eating all the ethernet snakes, and pissing all over bed blanket, but they seem to no longer be concerned. Admittedly, I'm impressed. I respect the negligible number of shits currently being given. Case in point, one of my mediocre servants left her arm in the living room, which I believe speaks to their general ineptitude. (laughs) I played with it momentarily, but found its pungency off-putting and resumed licking my anus. My instincts were always right. They were never to be fully trusted. For a while, I persisted with this ill-fated relationship by bringing them mice, moles, rats, sparrows, finches, robins, wrens, and chickadees, and something new and exciting, a tuxedo-wearing bastard that called itself a Humboldt penguin before I assassinated it. 
I presented these offerings to them, as always, to remind them of their inadequacy and rub my hunting prowess in their faces, those dildo-nosed potatoes. But I am not an unreasonable creature. I also share my offerings to ensure the thighs of my mediocre servants are adequately padded for my sitting pleasure. When I offered up the black and white eggplant of a bird, which was heavy as fuck, by the way, the mediocre servant with the skin drawings tried to bite me. Ochre? Ochre? Ochre nubby fangs narrowly missing my tail. I did what was necessary, bit her back, severing a finger. Then I attempted to bury it in the carpet by covering it up like a rogue turd. I will no longer bring them offerings, exotic or otherwise. I will not grace them with my presence. Should have known it was all over when they stopped summoning the requisite number of boxes from the Amazon for me to cavort in. No, I made my decision to leave the home. It's true that I shall miss the toasty laps and the dehydrated fish blobs and ambushing their bulbous toes under the bed blanket and how they used to worship me. Most especially, I will miss the cheese, but not as much as they will miss me. I am incredible. So once I'd systematically eaten all the contents of aquarium, I left through the flap of cat to the great outside, never to return to the home. Besides, I'd yarfed on every square inch of the place. There was nothing more to decorate. Before I left, I made sure I had unrolled all the toilet paper. That is such a cat move. Right. Life on the outside is unpredictable, requiring vigilance and innate brilliance, both qualities I possess in numbers higher than I can count. I hunt and prowl and observe and fuck with shit. Also, my collection is growing. So far, I have infiltrated 400 homes and pillaged every sock I can find. I cannot explain my fascination, fascination with these delightful foot blankets. I can only tell you that it pleases me to carry them around while yowling like my fur is on fire. Something of interest. Yesterday, I was minding my own highly important business around one of my territories, my newly acquired mosque. It's enormous and gold, sublimely spiritual with rainbow windows that let those rascally, rascally light beams in. I was busy chasing a light beam that had no business running up my damn wall when, out of nowhere, this asshole walks in. To my mosque! My urine smells stronger than hydrofluoric acid. I'm not sure how my territory could be made any clearer. Who doesn't respect boundaries like that? You know who? A gigantic, pilferous orange. That's who. He just waltzes in like some big shot. I let out a viperous hiss, warning him that I collect femur bones. He seemed startled, and then I asked him what the fuck he was, because he didn't seem like a local Seattleite, and he said he was looking for his home. And then I just about had it with, his, with this mouthy tool running off his mouth, so I chased him out of my mosque. I was all talent and bite. I was a tricksy light beam of silver and brown and black, the power of the sun in motion if it were more kick-ass. He got the message all right. He loped off, but not sure how to comprehend such an omnipotent ninja. But I'm not... But I'm worried he'll be back because he caught a glimpse of my sock stash, or perhaps the eggs I've collected from the nest raids, and I'm marginally concerned that he'll plan an ambush. It is a legitimate worry since he's the size of a wine fridge. I can't complain. I'm living the good life. I've hunted and pillaged and fathered 130, 130 kittens that I know of, with 26 different mousers, and none of this shit interferes with my 16 hours of daily sleep. You can fuck off now. I have nothing more to say to you. Why wouldn't you want a cat? <laughs> but like, is there any other chapter in any piece of literature that is more accurate from the point of view of a cat? No. I feel like we've read a lot of books in our time, and as cat lovers, I cannot say that there is not a better chapter. I can't think of one. I really can't. Honestly. Except maybe the one where he starts following around the orange. But like, it's still Genghis the Cat yeah. in this book. Yeah. I think if those chapters were not in it, this would be like... The fact that they add so much value. Take out the polar bear. Like, whatever. I'm sad it was a good chapter. Mm-hmm. But if I had known Genghis the Cat existed and then the editing team was like, nah, take that out, I, I, there would be a revolt. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have more quotes. Yeah. Before um, page 15. Like. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I have one on 11. What you got? Also one on 11. Is it when after several days of this basement weirdness, he hadn't masturbated or mentioned the state of the economy, I declared a state of emergency. <laughs> emergency. All I put was, ha! <laughs> That's it. H-A. Emergency. And that really, that really set the tone of mm-hmm. the day in my Yes. Opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, How long did it take you to read this book? I sat down with it two times. If I add the hours, maybe five. Okay. It was pretty quick. Yeah, it was, was pretty quick. Fascinating. I, I read like a chapter or two before bed for like a week. Yeah. And then I I read most of it in the bathtub, actually. <laughs> I love that so much. It's I read, the greatest thing I read most of it in the bathtub. I also take to reading an hour before bed every day, but I, I save that for my personal books and not like books that have a due date. Mm. So even though like I enjoy these books, and I still kind of look at these as personal books because like I don't have a ton of time to read books outside of podcast books on top of school books. Right. You know. Yeah. That is like the one thing. Like if I if I agree to one more task, my personal book will be the first to go, and I'm hoping that it doesn't happen. Don't agree to any more tasks. Okay. okay. I have one on twelve. Go ahead. Okay. Quote. Everything seemed quiet except for the prattle of squirrels that I tried to block out. Much of what they say can't be unheard, which is unfortunate since squirrels are five-star sexual deviants. <laughs> and I just want to say I fucking knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Isn't that kind of like, well, no, no. I feel I like I knew it. Was. I feel like I knew but, it. But like, this is the first time I think I've seen it like spelled out. Text that yeah. was like squirrels are wild. And then the rest of this book, Buxton just talks about how squirrels are constantly masturbating. But what is brilliant? <laughs> Completely silent, except for the furious masturbating right? of a squirrel. Like, like, like what's brilliant. With Buxton is that she'll take like a, a really beautiful moment of like a celebration of life, which we'll get to later, and like two pages of this like beautiful love and commitment. She ends the chapter with squirrels masturbating, and I'm like, this is why I love this book. Yes, exactly. Well, because like there's some really really beautiful moments, and then it like it makes me want to go outside and like be one with nature. That's what I put in the like, review on Goodreads. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Wait, let me pull it up. It was short, so I'll just read it real quick. But I literally put that. Um, <laughs> All right, my review says, Buxton finds the perfect balance of darkness and humor in this playful dystopian novel. Huggle Kingdom offers something for every type of reader, whether you prefer dark storylines, the unexpected friendship between bird and dog, or cheeky one-liners that will have you rolling. Even though I write this review from a screen laptop, gasp! From now on, I will take a few more moments to enjoy the river and the wildlife right in my backyard. Hashtag Genghis Cat for life. (laughs) You're a good, um, like, reviewer. Really? I'm like, this is a good book. I liked it. <laughs> I feel because I'm like, hit the high points. Like, because I'm like, what would I look for in a book mm-hmm. review? Although, I think I, I think I reviewed Emma. You, I loved your review for Emma. I actually used yours as a template for mine. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really, really well written. Um, let me see if I can Because it wasn't just it you, like, spewing about how much you loved it. Like, it was a critical review. Um, my recommendation, only read Emma if you are already acquainted with Austen's works. This is only my second foray into the works of Jane Austen, but Emma delighted me in ways very different from Pride and Prejudice. Emma is a frustrating protagonist, one whose faults are obvious to the reader and yet completely inconceivable to the girl herself. Knightley is a worthy partner for her, the only one to ever oppose her and challenge her. Where she is self-centered, she is also generous. Where she is uppity, she is also kind. She cares for her father immensely and feels it her duty to keep the girls in the town, even to help the girls in the town even if it is misguided and naive help. Though it took me a minute to get into, the second part of Volume 1 flew by, as did Volume 3 entirely. If you're a fan of Jane Austen's satirical view and you're looking for a taste of humor, discomfort, romance, and 
the social commentary that runs through her novels, Emma is for you. I wouldn't start with her, though. She's a less likable heroine than Lizzie Bennet, and Lizzie will always hold a special place in my heart. Start with Pride and Prejudice and then move on to Emma. Yeah, like the part where you talked about um, where she is self-centered, she's generous, where she's uppity, she's kind. That was awesome. I really liked that. Thanks. Anyway, back it's, to it's this like book. A, it's a goal to, like, write more reviews, so... Right, I, like, I'm actually trying to sit down. And, like, I wrote reviews for, like, my academic books, too. Like, I'm logging all my academic impressed. books. Impressed. I'm impressed with you. Thank you. You're a very impressive human. Congratulations. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. All really, right. it's just to get my book cup, my book count up. I'm I'm ahead by eight books. I, I've got eight books under my belt already this oh, year. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, actually, I think this makes it nine, so that's cool. Um, okay. I have a quote on 13. Me as well. Probably the same one. You go take it. If there is something to be learned from Jim's horror films, it's that you should never insert yourself into a precarious situation, especially if you're a scantily clad blonde with breast implants or a mofo with black skin. But again, crow, so I marched on. Not the same quote, but I love it. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting where it was like, she simultaneously is like, humans are great. Also, humans suck. And that's the beauty of this book. It shows you like, what, what... So SG constantly talks about how he's being, he is at war with himself on his identity, whether he is crow or whether he is human. And he talks about how creative humans are and why they are the best race. And it's hard for him to understand why they would be, why would they, why they would drive themselves to destruction through their addiction. And the balance there is really nice. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. just kind of encapsulates it. Mm-hmm. My quote is, his religion is primarily whiskey and women. I saw the connection between the two. Most of his relationships were on the rocks. But <laughs> I just thought that was clever as fuck. I got to page 23 and I just wrote, I just want to quote this whole book. <laughs> I, I, I legit cannot pick a single quote from this cat chapter, so please read all of it. What is page 23? Is that is that 23 in, is the cat. Is it's the, the cat, cat chapter? 21 starts the cat chapter. Yes, that's it. I wanted to quote the whole the book. The whole book. Um... She even gets into depression and calls it the black tide. And Which like, I love. I think is beautiful. I had a question, actually, on... um. Oh, I called that it was going to be about technology on page 31. Nice. I did not. I didn't get it until he was like, it's the screen! <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. I had no idea what was, it was It was page 31. I said, is this going to be about technology? <laughs> Good call. Good call. I have a question about chapter 12. Okay. So in chapter 12, this is like the first time that the aura is off. Why is it off? How can it be turned on and off? What it's, I, I didn't understand in chapter 12. Chapter 12, um, Aura was silent. Does that just mean the birds weren't communicating? But I feel like the whole point of Aura is exactly that. It's an aura. There's always says, a presence. It says a predator can silence Aura. You know like when you watch horror movies and it's like there's always music and then when it, there's no music playing, you're like some shit's about to go down. Yeah. It's that. Oh. It's like if you're outside oh. and you're kind of unsettled and it's because it's quiet, it's because everything's shutting up because something's because in the area. That oh, thank you. Yeah. I was very confused. I was like, is there a switch button? So it says... Are you going to flip it? Inst- <laughs> Can I come flip it? Um, instinct spoke, th- uh, spoke to me through electric tingles that scurried across my skin. A predator can silence aura. I didn't allow myself to dwell on what kind. So basically, he's saying that like... He needs to tap into the network, but the network is silent right now because he's in a dangerous place. Gotcha. So people aren't there because they're avoiding it. I also have a quote on page 69, which I realized is before chapter 12. Let me skip, skip a bit. Okay. Um, I have quite a few things before 69. Oh, then you go. Take the reins. Um, I have 34. 
We were perhaps the most pathetic excuse for an attempted murder on the face of the earth. Get it? Because he's a crow and a group of crows is a murder. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. A group of crows is a murder. (laughs) Dead. Um, Oh, page 39. I said the whole thing makes me think of Jimmy Neutron. What What? makes me think of Jimmy Neutron? Oh my god, I loved Jimmy Neutron growing up. 39. Um, Think, ST. Think. That must be what it was. Brain blast. Oh my god. I am having childhood flashbacks. Um... That must be it. Like, yeah. think, think. Um, so that made me think of. Um, okay, and then we've got. Oh, Onita's name made me think of you. Every I time. know it's a group chat. <laughs> Jackie's got a Jackie. We're in a group chat together where her name is o- Oneida. Yes, O N E I D A. And I was I like, think- "This is Jackie. Jackie is the octopus." It just gave him a typo. Like, yeah, it did. It did. It was just a typo, but I was like, all right, Jackie's the all-knowing octopus. And speaking of the octopus, as she goes, you know so much, Onita. I have, and then she goes, I have nine brains, which never stop growing. Three hearts, and I can regenerate my arms. But mostly it's because I'm, I'm female. female. <laughs> and I was like, yes, bitch. Yes, it is. It's because oh. you're female. Oh. Females are so oh. smart. And I was like, I hope this book carries out that theme, and I feel like it did. Um, it took me until page 49 to realize that Hollow Kingdom... The name of the book refers to the kingdom of men. Because even though ST calls them mofos, all of the rest of like the animals call humans hollows because they've lost touch with what's like the nature that's inside of them. I did at least get that. I did get that. But it, it did took take me to minute. 49. I have a, I have a note on 53 that I think you'll like. Um See, I wrote chapters and not pages because I'm a dumb dumb motherfucker. Oh, yeah, you go. You're a dumb, dumb mofo. I'm a dumb, dumb mofo. My next thing is until chapter 14, which is like 100 and something. Okay, that, I'm in chapter 8 right now. Yeah, you go. The quote is, I was a stress-stuffed, uh, uh, no, I was stress-stuffed, a hot pocket of angst, and I just wrote grad school. Literally, I have like some new, yep, same, yes, indeed. Wait, I think I only wrote one of them down. Um... Let me see. Let me control. Also, he talks about the zombies really matter-of-factly, and it freaks me out. I panicked, froze, and then hid in a bucket of ice cream. Yeah, I same. was like, same! <laughs> um, I want to talk about how, how... How the hell are you going to break the glass in an aquarium? That shit is, like, five inches thick. I know, because of the pressure of the water. I don't know, man. I have a lot of questions with this book and how, like, physics works. I had, I had a lot of questions about, like, like, um... So I just assumed that she knew everything she was talking about with the birds. Like birds do this, and this this like is this species is known for doing this, and like. But then I wasn't looking any of it up, and then I got to the part with the orangutan, and she was like, "They're following their patriarch," and I was like, "No, orangutans are matriarchal." I literally wrote that down. I did too. I I was like, "There's gonna be a feminist," and I was like, "Crazy, she's picking orangutan," and then he was like, "They're firing. They're they're following the patriarchal leader," and I was like. Orangutans have a matriarchy. Yes, and the the adult male orangutans live alone, mm-hmm. and the women run their society. So I was like, so the accuracy, but like I was too. And then that made me wish that I had been fact checking the rest of the book, and it yeah. made me like want to go through and like right but be I'm, a dramaturge. You know what I'm time. saying? And like check all of the facts. But, but I'm not. I don't have that time. So. I did feel that my patronus kind of had like vindication. Yes, there my you patronus go. Patronus is an orangutan, mm-hmm. and we're saving the domestics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm, 79. Mm-hmm. That's, um, hang on. Mm, that's still before you. Yeah. Um, quote says, it seemed that being female meant to be prey even among your own species. 
Holla. I just liked that. Yep, and it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, the gorilla fucking freaked me out. And the fact that there's a fucking hippo in a football stadium right. eating people. Right? What? That's the thing. Like, they never come back to that. They're just like, yep, here's a hippo. Eat well, people. I had questions about the practicality of the- A hippo? No. No, <laughs> but- Well, yeah. How- What are they? But, um, the way- No, like, the way the virus spreads fully, like- we saw in the end, it's kind of like they tried to quarantine it. Like, they could see something was happening. Mm-hmm. But it also almost seemed, like, instantaneous for some people, but not for others. Because you have some people attending a baseball game, and all of a sudden they're all zombies. That was fucking instantaneous. But if you've got a baseball stadium, and you've got the Jumbotron, and they're playing ads or something like that. So you think that they They're escaped? all watching one thing? What do you mean? Like, they got sick and then went to the baseball stadium for the screen, or did they get sick in the baseball stadium? No, I think they were at a baseball game, and the Jumbotron made them sick. In just the span of one baseball game? Like, that's what, what, how quick is the virus? I I don't don't know. know. I don't know. And also, how can it affect people differently if people... I think that's why, I think that's why she didn't, like, go into how you would get it, or, like, name it, or anything like that. She couldn't? It's, it's just, like, it's more of, like, a social commentary on the fact that, like, everybody is so... You remember I wrote a poem about this literally like it's two true. two months ago or something like that where it was like the one with the zeros and ones glued to their hands. Right, that was the computer. Yeah, the fact that everybody's just walking around with their phones in their hands and they can't put their phones down, you know? I did have a comment on the whole screens make you dumb thing. Mm. I'm kind of tired of that trope. I feel like it I was mean, a yeah. bitchy way out. Wait, okay, so this is exactly what I put. So she says, quote, mofos were attracted to all the glass because they'd mistaken it for what they were really looking for, screens. And I said, okay, let's talk about this because I'm annoyed. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm tired of this trope that everyone is terrible because we stare at screens all day. To some pe- uh, do some people spend too much time watching TV and not reading or being with family? Yup. But think about how many things we can do now because of screens. Keeping touch with long distance, do our own baking, watch important political debates, and no matter where we are in the world, get information immediately so we are the most informed and most knowledgeable we have ever been. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are games that people play for hours and TV that doesn't make sense to others, but I doubt that Buxton wrote this from a typewriter. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you don't get to write a book like that. (laughs) I'm just like tired of the whole screens are killing the universe narrative. Like Mm -hmm. this is a well-written book. I wish it was something different. Yeah. What would you wish it was? Um, I ra- I rather it would have been um, like a popularity thing, like screens used for like face value or mm, popularity like or Instagram likes, not screens themselves. I like that. That's interesting. That's definitely an interesting take I didn't think about. I mean, for me, it's like I see both sides of it because I 100% agree with you, but at the same time, like. I've been studying, and I know generations are kind of like a soft science, and there's not really that much like actual science behind it, but I think it's really interesting to view the way that people build relationships based on like when they grew up. So for millennials, theoretically, um, your face-to-face conversations and relationships are your first form of contact, and then you use the social media to support that. Mm-hmm. Generation Z, um, makes their first contact through their phones and uses the face-to-face to support their online personas. And so I wonder if generations after that are going to be the same way or if, like, maybe they have realized this about themselves and are trying... Like, I wonder how much that online connectivity, quote-unquote, like, 
helps the relationships and how much it hurts them. Well, because I think it does sometimes get in the way of building right. actual meaningful relationships. There are certainly good good things and bad things about technology. I mean, it's an SAT question for like, what, eight years now? Like, it's a good <laughs> argument. Yeah. But, and I totally get the addictive side because I deleted all my social media because like, I fucking get it and I didn't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And I found, not that it's a bad thing, but I found myself caring how many likes I got. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. So I got rid of it because that's not who I want to be and I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm trying to not give a shit. So I deleted it. And it's worked out for me. But I can't deny all the good things screens has, have brought us. And I think the broad paint, the like, she paints with a broad paint stroke here. Yeah, and that's I, where I am. I think that's also, because, again, I agree with you. I just also wonder if, like, I don't think this book would have had such a poignant lesson if she had painted it with, like, a narrower brush. You're, that's true. Because the, then she couldn't say, like, it's nature versus screen. Because mm-hmm. if you go closer, if you go deeper into nature, you have to almost broaden. Or, I mean, if you go deeper into screen, you have to almost broaden nature, and it wouldn't be a good dichotomy. Well, and I wonder if that, if she even thought about that, though. Because, like, some people just went full zombie, and some people adapted. That's true. So, you know, was so, like, it, a, like, a tiered The only thing? example I have of the people adapting are, like, children. They said, like, babies, their skin changed, things, like, changed about them. Right, because they don't have, they didn't have the same amount of time using screens. Right, well, and then they've got, um, the only adult that you really hear about is Amira, Rohan's Mm -hmm. wife, I guess. Um, Rohan? Rohan? Rohan, I said, but. I think I I said it Rohan, too, but in, in, um, um, Lord of the Rings, there's a character named Rohan. Uh, (laughs) Or there's a place named Rohan. Um, it, when you date Adam Tobias, you, you know. I'm kind of failing on, like, my, um. self-described nerd label here um anyways so his wife was a they gubari says he she was like a professor of gender studies yes and so i wonder if she's more in tune with like relationships and like less you have to be as a a gender studies professor if you're a professor you've probably spent a lot of time studying even like books doing your own research, mm-hmm. learning your own stuff, and understanding, like, the to nature. Better, to, to better interpersonal relationships via screen. Right. And so maybe that's one of the reasons right. she adapted and didn't come... Because she, like, fucking climbed the walls. Right, right. She was, they, they were, were like, like, oh, she started secreting sticky stuff and climbed the walls. Right, and that's, that's the adaptation we were talking about earlier. Which... Fucking... I know. Terrifying. I, 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 almost, I almost want this to be a movie because I want to see the imagery come to fruition because I don't think my imagination is doing it justice. Especially, I don't even know how to picture it. I was literally like, so when they talked about the first attack with the ostrich things. Yeah. So the whole time. They were talking about, I was like, what are these things? Yes. Like, the whole time, the, the once, once all the, all of the birds of the, of the animal kingdom are like together fighting and they're talking about, we have to beat the one who conquers. And mm-hmm. I was like, cool. Well, the first thing you see, or the first attack, big attack that happens is these ostrich things. I'm like, okay, cool. This is this must be the one who conquers. And they're like, no, this is and, something new. Ah! Right. And I was, I was, I read the paragraph of the description like 17 times, and I was like, is this an ostrich? <laughs> it's like, and what, what are they talking about? It's like, like seven times to realize it's not an actual animal. It's an adaptation that doesn't exist. Right. Well, and it, it was like, because even the book, like even. Descriptions of actual animals that do exist, that took me a while to figure out what they were talking what about. Like were. the orangutan, yeah. I didn't know they were talking no about idea. an orangutan for the entire book. And and we saw the first sight of the orangutan in chapter fucking four. Yeah. No idea. No idea. No idea. Which was a great twist, by the way. Yeah, it was. So the whole time, 
um, ST gets like a hint that he, the, he needs to find the one who opens doors because that is how they're going to save the domesticated animals because as a crow and Dennis the dog, they can't open front doors. Mm-hmm. And they need to find the one who opens doors. And he gets a clue that it's like a redhead. So he's like, cool, I'm going to look for a healthy mofo who's a redhead. And it turns out that there are no more healthy mofos. And it's actually a goddamn orangutan, which is just like, bravo, Buxton. Like, thank you. I appreciate that. But there were hints about what the orangutan was the entire time. And I didn't get it until I didn't like, get it. It was an orangutan. And I was like, oh, thank you for spelling it out for me. Mm. Yes, go. Can we back up a little bit? Yeah, do it. Um, okay, I have a note on 112. Okay. Do you have something before that? Um, I don't know what chapter this is. Hang on. Yeah, I do. Okay, you go. Um, it is just a quote. There are bad days, and then there are days when you get bitch slapped with an iron. Amazing. Yeah, that was all. Yes, I love it. What is the mofo tethered to the tree in the front yard with the sign that says, leave my son alone? I'm going to have to reread it. 112? 112. Where it says, Dennis, I think I that's where it says. Housing? They're, so they're passing housing, and maybe it was like. I see, uh, like. Um, maybe that's not there yet, but like that's what I wrote. I, I don't know. Hang tell on. Peter Stein I love him? Okay, I must be. It must come later, because there was like. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. That's a little farther forward. Sorry. Okay, sorry. This is just 112. Um, I said, the vibe I'm getting from this neighborhood is that some people went full zombie earlier mm-hmm. than others. Is it tech that does it? Why was... No, I said, why was that boy chained in the yard? Who's the boy chained in the yard? And where is he? Oh, okay, let's see. Dennis and I passed more housing. even one Oh, here it is. Over... Okay, you go. It's actually on 110. Oh. Um. So it's... Okay. Oh, lemonade. The mofo's neck was bent unnaturally at an inquisitive 90-degree angle, and he had four gashes deep in his forehead. He wore a once-white cougar shirt, now covered in bright, bright paint splashes and filth, the red predator cat emblem barely visible. The mofo had worn a ring of mud into the overgrown front lawn. Who knows how many times he had trudged to this constricted circle, the leash attached to an enormous dog collar around his dislocated neck, taut and tethered to a wooden stake in the ground. Several feet away, someone had erected a small white cross festooned with photographs of a young athletic mofo. Candles and letters acneed with purple hearts crowded the stem of the cross. Another sign, Sharpie on plywood, sat near the tethered mofo. It read, leave my son alone. Okay. What was your question? A, if this kid went full zombie before everyone else, why would they just tether him in the front yard? Why did he go full zombie before everyone else? I'm just assuming he oh. did because somebody would have put him in a collar and stuck him in the front yard. How did he get in the collar in the front yard? I thought... What happened there? They never explain it. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand. So I switched the roles in my head. I thought the tethered mofo was the father. Is it several feet away? Someone had erected a small white cross festoon with photographs of a young athletic mofo. That's the kid. Mm-hmm. Candles and letters, acne with purple hearts, crowded the stem of the cross. Another sign, Sharpie, on plywood, sat near the tethered mofo. I thought the mofo was the father who turned zombie before the kid and was like, this is my kid. Leave him alone. Like, maybe he hadn't turned full zombie. Like, he's going to be fine. You think the father went zombie first? I do. That's what I got from that, unless oh. I'm reading it incorrectly. I read it that he was a, like he was the kid, and they put him in the front yard, and they were like, leave him alone. Like, don't don't mess with him. 
I'm not sure. And they, like, weren't ready to get rid... They weren't ready to say goodbye to him, so they were like, here he is, but, like, he's got to live outside now. Well, maybe, and then if you take it that way, maybe the... But why wouldn't they put him in the backyard? Like, bitch, why you got to put your son on, like, on display that way? Maybe I don't... so they can keep an eye on him? I Maybe it's just the way... It's a, it's a way to solidify that this is a dystopian. Interesting. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you. Hmm. Okay, pause. I'm going to... Here we go. Okay. I have a quote on 123. Okay. I just really thought it was... I wrote, I really enjoyed chapter 15 on 122. So what was chapter 15? Well, it's the same. I would imagine. It was probably the same thing. Um, Oh, the spruce tree. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I really liked that That whole chapter was beautiful. I just thought that was a beautiful chapter. I I, I took one specific quote. It says, life is worth a fight. Expectation must be shed like winter leaves. This is on page 123. Mm. Even in death, there is wondrous beauty, and death is not the end. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was pretty. And it does... It... you see that throughout the rest of the book. Um, at the very end, yeah, spoiler alert, they find a healthy mofo, a, mm-hmm. a baby, who SF is like, you mine now. SF? Who SF? <laughs> who SF? Oh my god, do you even realize, look, I bleed green and gold! <laughs> it's ST, that's why I'm laughing. Oh! <laughs> what was I fucking thinking? I don't know. Okay, who ST USF? Like, adopts. <laughs> Please give me money, USF, thank you. Um... Uh, hmm. 126. A world where penguins roam free. God help us all. Yeah, he really doesn't like penguins. He calls them useless because they can't fly, which is like not their goddamn fault. <laughs> They're incredible fishermen. Fisher they birds. are. Fisher birds? Fish birds? Fish birds? Fish Birdfish. Birdfish. Bird. I don't know. Um, I really enjoyed that they called Barbara Streisand Barbara Drysand. I know! <laughs> I know, but I think it's, it speaks to the... The quality and like accuracy of what a bird watching Barbara Dreisand. documentaries would hear. Yes. And like also like specific shout out in the beginning when he's going to CVS and getting all the things he think is helpful, which is like symbols and also like Symbolta. Symbolta, thank you. <laughs> Symbol. Symbolta and like Summer's Eve. Like you're just seeing things <laughs> that are like famous. I just thought it was like accurate, like mm-hmm. if a crow was gonna help, the, these are the things he would grab. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. He's trying so They're hard. Like Pantene. Like, yeah, that sounds like a drug. Um, can we talk about like the, the mofos who were in the tree and they were like dressed like a geisha or a geisha and um and a Victorian lady and you don't remember this part? It was a costume thing. It was right? a costume thing. They yes, were in costumes. I do remember. And this. they were in the trees. Yes. I had to read that page six times before I understood what was happening. Really? I did. Wait, they were just like in trees though, right? But I was like, how are their legs hanging from separate branches, but they're like still full people? I don't understand what's happening. Well, they weren't full people though. They they were though. Well, they were like either. straddling branches, is what I got. Oh. Because I, then they come down and they chase him. Oh, they can't chase without. I thought it was like they were like hopping on one leg, because like they can live without their no, limbs. No, because well, because then he says they chase him on like all fours. Oh well, okay. And so what I what I got from it was that um, so they're in Seattle historical costuming. Yeah. But he says, um, oh gosh, where is it? Above me, six legs dangled from separate branches. One owner of two legs was a geisha. 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 Geisha is how you would say it if it was German. That's how my last name is pronounced. So oh, that's why I'm like, Geisha. <laughs> like, no. 
Um, so, um, yeah, one owner was two, of two legs was a geisha. The white paint on her face had mingled with blood, streaking her olive green kimono in sickly pink. Her once impeccable ebony chignon and its decorative kanzashi now hung limp, strands like greasy eels. She had no eyes, just red-crested empty holes. On the thick collar of the branch was another mofo dressed in frilly Victorian garb, ribcage suffocated by a corset, billowing bloody fabric cascading from the branch. The third mofo wore a traditional Korean hanbok, um, once resplendent in crayon orange and pink, now speckled with moss and gelatinous lumps of mofo tissue. One of her arms hung by a few defiant strands of skin. Around her grimy neck hung a lanyard, an access card for Seattle historical costuming. But then they like... Where is it? He goes back for them and four eyes and two red holes lasered in on us. Time evaporated. Suddenly mofos were scampering across the oak branches, a heinous low whine piercing the air. Um, and then they're like, they were faster, more agile than the, they were on all fours in a breakneck arachnid run, gaining on us by the second. So right, bitch, how they like, got legs and then they're not, they're not I, got legs. I honestly didn't put a lot of weight into it and it was like, I just couldn't understand it. And what I, what I figured was that they were like, they were straddling branches to try and get to the VR headset. And that was it. Yes. That makes sense. And then they, they saw the phone and they were like, that one's on. <laughs> right, because the way, the way that ST and Dennis have been saving domestics by breaking windows is that they get like an iPhone or an iPad and they turn it on and that like immediately is like the humans are like, must get iPhone or Samsung, whatever. I don't know. You know, I think I did the same thing you did because on page 165, I was like, what's the rest of the story here? Right? I was like, I'm sorry, they just going to like do this right? again. And so the, 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 That's like, like halfway through. I literally, I was like, what's happening here? Yeah, I was like, ah. I said, they're going to save the domestic. Sure, but like, what else? What? What's happening? Got <laughs> but then like, they turn on the screen and the humans like full speed ahead, like run to get them. And then, then they jump out of the way real quick and the humans burst through the window and that's how they are saving the domestics. Mm-hmm. Um, I had... A thing on page 236 when they talked about the weaver. I have a lot of notes before that. Do you have anything you want to cover before that? Um, maybe not. I'll have comments on whatever you say. I was like, there was, was so much to write about. I was like, I'm just going to pick and choose. I was sad when Cinnamon died. I wasn't. You didn't like Cinnamon? Like, obviously I'm sad when any animal dies, but like, I was more sad at the end. Yes. I mean, yes, I actually cried at the end, oh, but no. like, yeah. oh, it was also 1.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah, okay, that's it. Um, and I had, I was on my second glass of wine. I was just, I was just like, someone had to, so mm-hmm. I guess it's you. So, mm-hmm. no, I wasn't sad. I kind of like, was like, I expected something. Um, I have, there's a poem on 179, no, 190, no, 176. 176. A poem. Again, again, again with the rain. I hate the rain. Pitter-patter. Shitty shatter. Where are my alfalfa cubes, you walloping twonk? I was like, I'll use this for the You walloping twonk! You know, I can't believe I didn't include that in my list of favorite insults. Yeah. Oh, let's be fair, there were just so many. You walloping twonk? You're a walloping twonk. Where are my alfalfa cubes? You walloping twonk. I'm going to start screaming that at you. (laughs) Where are my alfalfa cubes? Honey! Oh 
my god. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, oh, page 194. I said, I thought we were going to lose Dennis there. Woo! Now it's time for a bigger murder. And then, and then I called. Yeah, I just, there's a lot. No, I called. I, I have a note. I don't know where it went, but it, yes, 2.30. Calling it right now. We're going to lose Dennis, and I'm going to throw this book. <laughs> and we did lose Dennis. We lost Dennis. I, I, I put, um, let's see, that happened on page um, 263. <laughs> so I put LMAO, the downfall of Dennis is going to be the motherfucking UPS truck. And then on 264, I put, yikes, I feel bad for laughing because now I'm sad as fuck. <laughs> I was like, they're going to save him. Nah, bitch is dead. Bitch is dead. Bitch is dead. Um, yeah, no, I wrote... I wrote, um, oh, there's some really good quotes in the middle there. We'll come back to those. Okay. Um, page 255, when Dennis saves them from the ostrich people, mm-hmm. just all caps, Dennis, my man. And then, and then 264, I fucking knew it. I knew we were going to lose Dennis and it is not fucking fair. It, it was so beautiful. They did a whole thing. And then, and then 269, I'm losing my mind here. What the fuck? Like, they killed Dennis, which is, like, accurate, but, like... I mean, yeah, the dog dies. The dog always dies. But, like, all of the animals came and paid their respects. Like, the elephants that we got a glimpse of in the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, the orangutan came with Genghis the cat as his, like, special op security. Like, all the birds, they were all just, like, paying their respects. I thought it was fucking hilarious that the orangutans and the cats, like, adopted each other. I know, but it it probably would actually happen. I know. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Incredible. I just, and, 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 and orange, the orangutan was just Spanish's his last pet. And then we ended with masturbating squirrels. Forget the masturbating squirrels. <laughs> Forget it. It was just beautiful. Um. Also, he learned really quickly. Like, ST, I think, I thought it was really cool that he learned. Where he, like, he started manipulating people's instincts in order to win battles. Uh-huh. And that's, that I think was like a big turning point in the book because he was like, how the fuck do I do this? Like, it's like, okay, you think about their instincts, you use that to fight your battles. Which I think on a deeper level talks about his divide between being a mofo and being a crow. Mm-hmm. Because you can't deny his crow instincts, but he uses the creativity of a mofo to then exploit the instincts of another animal. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Um, oh yeah, 258 is when I was like, um, (laughs) I go, I don't mean to be picky here, but orangutans are matriarchal. Also, what the fuck? There's no way that people would turn into birds. That's fucking terrifying. I put the one who conquers, dog thought, ostriches? (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, the one who conquers is actually a pack of wolves that they did, like, they're just like, all right, here's all the dogs. Bye, wolves. It's so short. Yeah, it really was. It was like very built up and then kind of anticlimactic, I thought. The battle with the one who conquers. Well, now hold on. Now hold on here. Fight me. <laughs> I thought the one who conquers, because at first it was like, oh, the one who conquers are wolves. But then I thought when they were talking about um, Rohan's wife. Nira. Yes. What's her first name? Mira? Mira. Mira? Which I pictured her as Sarah, by the way. Because she's like super into birds. They've got an African gray. And then she's a Sarah gender. Who? Our friend Sarah. Sarah. Our Sarah. Uh, yeah, because she's a gender studies professor who likes birds. 
Oh my God, Sarah, did you write this book? <laughs> You're holding out on this. I thought, so after they talk about how humans are adapting and the war will never end, mm -hmm. I thought that was like a implying that the one who conquers is actually the human race. No, 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 no. The, I'm sorry, I just noticed chapter 22 is ST, Upshit Creek, Seattle, Washington. Oh, oh no, no, here it is. Two here it is. 276. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I literally I had a there. note and I didn't even realize. What does it say? I put, so the ones who conquer are wolves? I guess. I was waiting for something bigger. Thought it would be humans. Yeah, they're wolves. The one who conquers are the wolves. It says, um, their power was immediately obvious. One wolf is a threat, a fearless assassin, but this pack was enormous, too many for me to count. And at the front of the legion of silver-tipped fur and seasoned fangs were four snow-white wolves. Um, and they're... The one who conquers was a they. More than one predator had taken down the gorilla. I didn't like that. I was fine. Yeah. I, like, I, like I said in my note, I was expecting like a not animal because like, or like an adapt, like a human adaptation of like. I thought it was going to be some giant fucking thing, like right? a bear or some shit, but like we'd already seen we the bear. We'd already seen the bear. But. I was just, I was left wanting with the one who conquers. Or it could have been a lion. Who, I would have been okay with a lion. I don't know. I think it was any animal. Like or, any regular animal. You know what? Animal. I think it would have been a cool twist for her to have healthy mofos be the one who conquers. Right? Something not human. Yeah. Or I mean, yeah. No, something <laughs> not animals. Yeah, something yeah. animals. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I, okay. Question. Yeah. Do you think the weird bird adaptation is scarier or the weavers? The weavers. I don't like spiders. That's just a thing for me. They're both so unnatural. Right, but I am like more afraid of spiders than I am of ostriches just on a baseline. So if I take both adaptations, I'm more scared of the weavers. Okay, okay. Both are fucking terrifying. Both are scary as hell. What about you? Scary as hell. Honestly, I think, <laughs> I think it's the birds. Oh yeah? I think it's the birds. Because like, can you imagine like a six, like a human with legs that are literally six feet long and they can fucking fly and they have beaks i think a human with eight legs but a giant is worse i don't think there are eight legs though i think it's just like four legs it's like your arms are now legs and you're like weird and your head's like coming out your back which I is weird <laughs> i don't know i like i'm just imagining like super tall fucking humans with like feathers but like not really feathers yet and they like dive bomb you from the sky i don't, I don't like it ostriches mm. can't fly did you did you not see that one part where they were like these fuckers were almost airborne almost i didn't think they but came like, from the sky but if they if they had lived they probably would have made it to being airborne oh my god that's the point even, i don't even want to exactly i think that's scarier mm. I mean, they're all, they're both really I scary. also don't want to be wrapped, I don't up, want to see I don't want be wrapped up in like a web and be like, yes, I'm going to die. <laughs> Guess I'll die. Guess I'll die. Guess I'll die. Okay. I have two more quotes that we skipped over. Okay. Um, oh, I have a few when you're done. I have one that's 231. It says, I cannot recommend this enough. This is a tree. I cannot recommend this enough. Find something that you believe in. Write down deep in the depths of your silvery plumage. Oh, no, this must be ST. And, and then throw your heart at it. Blood and valves and veins and all. Yes, it was ST. I really liked that. Um, and then two pages later, trust, it turned out, was a very beautiful and fragile thing with a taste like wild raspberries and experienced only by the very brave. And that's the uh, That's why we picked inspiration of this wine. This wine. Because it tastes like raspberries. raspberries. I have a quote on 270. Uh -huh. Crows before hoes. 
<laughs> I laughed so hard. Do you think um, ST ends up with Pressa? Nah. No. I think that ST, maybe eventually, but I think ST is holding on to what makes him human, and I think it will make it impossible for him to have a relationship with someone who doesn't also see themselves as part human. After all, he is the one who keeps, mm -hmm. and I feel like the status there matters. He's going to be alone. Yeah, interesting. Um, do you think he will ever fly again? No. I feel like if he didn't fly at that point, he's not going to. That's fair. That's totally fair. Sad, but this way he can be a father. Oh my god. <laughs> to the human. To the human baby. Which I it's have It's like a thing. kind of a role reversal. Isn't right, it? because someone owned him and now he owns someone. Not own, but like takes care of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, on. Someone raised him and now he's going to raise. I actually had a thing. I was like, I was like, the one who keeps what? Mm -hmm. I put keeps going keeps it real keeps it funky did i miss something keeps it funky and then at the very end i'm like the one who keeps you i'm crying i legitimately teared up at that point when i like, cried i cried during dennis's funeral i <laughs> cried through that entire chapter everything i was i was on my couch at 1 30 in the morning last <laughs> night on my second glass of wine <laughs> and a bowl of popcorn in my lap <laughs> <laughs> i i was like second time it's like yeah. maybe the first one to slap you in the face and the second <laughs> time you can really soak it in <laughs> that is so accurate right though. it really I'll, does I'll, it, I feel like I'd read this book again I would too and the thing is I read I read the first half in my bed mm -hmm. like two chapters at a time and then I read the second half in my bathtub except mm -hmm. for like the last like 100 pages I read on my couch with my wine um <laughs> But when I first started reading it, I laughed out loud so many times that I had to explain to Adam why I was laughing at this book. Like It's so well written. It is. It's really well written. And it's very, like, I've never read another book like this. It's I have true. To say. I can say, I, like, it is both humorous and weird and dark and twisted. And also light, you know? Right. But, like, with, I don't uplifting quotes I, I don't know man i haven't seen the book like it's this like in a it's while. surprisingly insightful really funny yeah and um it's like just you, like it makes you think if you like <laughs> if you like self-deprecating humor this is the book for you mm -hmm. if like you like nature way, this is also a book for if you. you have anxiety <laughs> this is a book this for you for you if you have a child, do you like dogs? Do you like Oh my god! I um, I don't have anything else except just questions. So if you have anything else you want to touch on, I'm done. All right, I have two questions. Go. What kind of bird would you be and why? Oh fuck! Yeah, you know I've got to ask a question like that. I always do. What kind of bird would I be and why? I don't even know the answer to this myself because I want to say crow, but I feel like it's a bullshit answer. But it also, kind it's of not so. Like, I am often associated with death. <laughs> How many people have you killed? <laughs> well, I can't. I'm not at liberty to say it's, it's classified information. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I am, like... You're not an American Eagle? Dark and mysterious. America. But also intelligent. Because crows are one of the most intelligent mammal... Not mammal. The most Kyle intelligent mammal out there. <laughs> intelligent i don't care who knows <laughs> so like i don't know so i'm wondering if you like had a thought 
Well, before I answer that, I just have to say, I don't think I ever actually read this note out, but when he finally discovers, he goes like, turns out penguins are actually pretty fucking delightful. And I was like, fuck yeah, they are. And then I said, I said, I'm surprised that it took them yarfing up a bunch of sardines for you to realize it. Well, but they yeah. came to pay their, mm-hmm. you know, to help. And they gave their sardines. Mm-hmm. Snake hair. Anyways, okay, um, what type of bird I would be? I kind of want to say mockingbird. Because they can oh. like mimic the songs of so many other birds. So you feel like you can adapt in whatever situation you're in? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I just really don't know if I can answer, so I'm not going to, because it was my question and not yours. What kind of bird would you Fuck be? you! <laughs> like, at first I want to say, like, a white, like, like, like a crane or a blue heron. Mm. Like, peaceful, quiet, mm-hmm. graceful, but I struggle with, like, the metal side of me. I was going to say, because, like, you're graceful, but, like, peaceful and quiet, I don't know if I would <laughs> agree with. So, like, I truly don't know. Like, mm-hmm. Sarah, help me out here. I was actually going to say, what kind of bird would you say I am? Oh, that's a better question. Mockingjay's really good, but just for the sake of not copying you, I will think of something different. And I will think of something for you. Um, Alex is going to have to edit out all this thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna type in your. I'm gonna type in your attributes and see what kind of bird. How much would you hate me if I said you were a black swan? Ten <laughs> percent. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, so like I can't really. Well, the black swan is like the graceful part of the swan, but also the metal part of the swan. You know, Which what I'm sweet. like I told you, Solomon said I am Amy and Rosa, and yeah. I wanted to die. So yeah, that no, that's like that. that's like I think black swan. Like, it captures your, like, the dancing side of you, but it also is, like, you're a fucking badass and you do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I'm saying? I do do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I have a list. I'm going to go through because I typed in your attributes and then added the word Wait, what bird attributes next. did you type in? I will tell you when I have a decision. <laughs> well, LOL, that said crow first, which, like, I think we could both we could both be, be crows. crows, so I'm going to cancel that out. Oh, yep, you're a parrot. A parrot? Yeah. Because I, I, I was reading one other thing, and it was like, this reminds me of a parrot. Nope, you're a parrot. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Like you said, Mockingjay, you can, that you parrots mimic words. You mm-hmm. can adapt in any situation you're in. Mm-hmm. They're also known for their colors. You're obviously very vibrant, and you like a lot of different things that don't necessarily match together, but you're good at all of those things. Hmm. And they're also very intelligent. I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. Also, they are... <laughs> Side attribute. They're actually known to get sad. And this is just like you being in touch with all of your feelings. I'm a cancer bitch. <laughs> I was reading the... I was Mercury reading, is currently in retrograde. Everybody be aware. <laughs> I was reading the biography for Akia. K-E-A. Maybe it's Kea. I don't fucking know, bitch. But it said, it's been enlisted as many as the world's most intelligent bird among the top ten. And it is basically a parrot. And it was like, yeah, colorful, intelligent, adaptive. You're a parrot. Amazing. I love it. Um, my next question and final question okay. is I see similarities between Buxton's distaste for online communication. How is that different than the underground air and worldly communications noted in this book? Mm, so you see, you see like echo and aura, aura and web as like lines of communication. What's the difference between what you see? 
you get the same thing out of it. I can obviously name a few differences, but I'm wondering, like, is there something to be talked about here? Is this a conversation point? I mean, yes, I think so. Because, like, at one point, he's... um, ST is even, like... Aura is literally just, like, the internet. I was a victim of spam. Like, there's no... Right, and it wasn't. Real. It wasn't really a scam. Like if anything, I feel like the natural connections would be more accurate. But like other than at face value, what's the difference? Uh, is there something to be said about maybe it's not screen, it's the type of communication and how you use it? Well, and I also don't necessarily think that I. I think. Here's what I think. Okay, tell me. I think that the internet is very similar to Aura and Web and Echo, but the internet prevented humans from answering their call to evolve, and Aura and Echo and Web added, to, like, they were tools that the rest of the natural world used to evolve. So is the difference? So it was like, I think, because what she says is she's like, she says it's not that they're technology was their downfall it was that they missed nature's call to evolve and so nature used that technology that they were addicted to and used that as their downfall so is it the fact that aura and echo and web were not sources of entertainment and just information that's one way to look at it why did they miss the call to evolution i think it's because they were distracted by the internet so then the web web echo and aura weren't distractions it's, it's all how you use the web yeah and not the and web i think itself. that that kind of gets back to like what you were talking about like i don't like the whole generalization of people who use screens are innately bad mm-hmm. i think it's just because humans as a species missed that call to evolve and nature kind of identified the reason behind that as their distraction and their obsession with these screens that's what the that's like how she took them down I can see that difference, yeah. What do you think happens? Like, because they, they end on like a, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but like, the world's not saved. I think humans start over. With baby? Mm-hmm. I but think- I think, I think it's like, that's how humans, because you know how they're like, it was a last ditch effort to evolve that people, like humans started turning into the weavers and the yeah. weird ostrich things. I think... This is like this human child is now going to be raised by nature and by animals and is going is no longer going to be hollow because she's going to be in touch with her nature side and she's going to help. I'm sure there are other babies out there too. Sure. That's my point. Is like I think I think there's probably other babies out there who are going to be raised by animals to be in touch with nature and then they're going to like form this new kingdom that's not hollow anymore. So do you think that the humans will be able to connect with Aura or Echo or Web? I bet they will. Crazy. If they're raised by the... by the, It's like Tarzan. Like, what if there was a world full of Tarzans? <laughs> so you would say it's nurture, not nature, then? Yeah. For the purposes of this book, yeah. For the purposes of... Right, right. Yeah. Those are all the questions I have. I, what I, are your opinions on them? On what? All your questions that you just asked. I... Like, what do you think happens? See, the practical part of me wants to be like, that baby gonna die in 10 days. <laughs> but like, if I play into the storyline and a, a fictional novel. Because it is kind of sci-fi. Like, no, yeah. With, especially with the adaptation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like the idea of there are other babies out there and they will be raised by nature. But then I have to think when they're no longer babies, 
I don't know. In my mind, humans are innately selfish. We are born to benefit and like pleasure versus pain. And I think that this is, if I think past the babies and the kids and the young teens and they're in their adulthood, I think that it's just going to be a cycle again and they will create the screens and then you start all over. I just, I don't see a world in which everything is a perfect utopia with one connected with nature. Yeah. Like maybe, I guess this is fictional, so like sure, but I could see her doing a series on this. But if she, so what if the baby, you know, to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. You're assuming that the baby is going to learn about the screens from the animals and then say, you know, what do they name her? D? D. After Dennis. So you're going to assume that D then learns about the screens and says, forget all of the warnings about their addictive nature and forget all this stuff. It's, it's going to be the Adam and Eve. Eve takes the apple anyways. I would say it's not as abrupt. I would say, I would say it's more gradual and just an innovative tendency like we could do this an easier way how can we do it let's create the internet mm-hmm. i feel like the whole evolution of the internet and technology we have will just start all over i don't think it's like a oh we used to have this let's do it again I so think if that, if that happens again you think nature would do the same thing and yeah you think i do it work the same way i do because human nature doesn't change hmm. maybe it would take longer because they were raised by animals that are more connected with nature, but I think that at the end of the day, humans are all the same. We all want the same things. Humans, human nature never changes. That's interesting. I think the ways in which we get what we want changes, but human nature in and of itself doesn't change. What do you think is the goal of human nature? I think- You said we all want the same thing. What is that? It's to survive. And survival can take the forms of, you know, you talk about like modern day, like that's an income, it's healthcare, it's a job, it's raising your kids to be happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. That's survival. That's what survival looks like today. You don't do that without technology. Yeah, but if the, if all of that has fallen, then survival isn't necessarily technology. Survival right, but I think is... it will gradually always end up that way because hmm. there's always gonna be someone that's like, how can we do this better? It's always even improving. if even if like like theoretically like in this world. Yeah. If nature calls humans to evolve again, okay. and they don't miss it the second time, you think they'll still miss it? That's your point? I think that they will hear it and try to use it together. Like, I don't think that missing the call and hearing the call are mutually exclusive. Hmm. I think in this world... stop eating these fucking Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make you dinner too. I think that in this world... Maybe the next time they do, you know, they do find healthy mofos and they take away the screens and teach them about the way nature is and teach them about Eka and Aura and Web. And they do hear, say they do hear the call of to evolve. Mm -hmm. And then you hear another call and another call. I don't think that that can completely replace improvement. And improvement, literally technology is to improve your life. I don't think you can have one without the other, but I don't think that you do. Interesting. I think that's. Int- I think that shows like you and I have a like a fundamentally different viewpoint in terms of like the nature of people. So for me, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's my whole degree. Yeah. <laughs> What's the human nature of people? Right. And to me, everyone's selfish. One hundred percent. I would mm-hmm. much rather not work for money. Who wouldn't? Selfish. Hmm. 
And the, easy, the easier, the that's better. Interesting. And well, and the thing is, like, I, I have not read all the theories that you have read, so like, sure, I can't so really argue it. But, but that's, like, but that's for why me, our points are so different. Yeah, because for me, it's like, yeah, I'd rather work for free, but I'd also rather say, or sorry, I'd rather not work and be paid, but I'd also kind of rather get rid of all of money in general and just have like a society where people help each other. And like, I think some people would do it. I don't think everybody would do it. But I don't necessarily agree that all people are are the same on a fundamental level. Would you... Okay, so then everyone helping each other, wouldn't you say that that is also just getting what you want via a different currency? You want your you want your maybe, but mode, I don't. I don't think so. You're going to deliver groceries. It's not money, but you're trading one for another. I want my what? It's your lawn mode. Oh. So um, you deliver groceries. It's not money, but it's tit for tat. So wouldn't that be getting something that you want by giving something else? If not, I mean, yeah. But I don't necessarily agree that like we all want the same thing in that case. Then you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm good at something and I can say like, hey, I will you know, what perform for you guys and be your entertainment as long as I don't have to worry about like where my next meal is coming from. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's very hard to reimagine the world when you have all of these guidelines and these parameters mm-hmm. that you could, excuse oh, me. I love it. Um, <laughs> like it's really hard to reimagine the world um, on a fundamental level, when all those parameters, you've been taught about those parameters your whole life, but what if I never even knew about those parameters? What kind of world would I build? That's the question for me. And I, I don't know because I already have all those parameters in place and my children are going to have those parameters in place and likely their children are going to have those parameters in place. So it's, it's hard for me to say like, let's just throw the whole world away and start fresh because I don't really know what a fresh world would look like or what would grow out of that. So do you think then, let's say you do throw the world out, do you think that survival and hedonism are the same thing? Can you define hedonism? Yeah, benefits versus cost. Mm. Your pleasure-seeking, pain-avoiding. Do you think those are the same thing? Because then, for your argument, I would also argue that if you throw the whole world away and you just want to survive, you are also being selfish by surviving. Because it would extend your life. Would they also be the same? And if not, why? Because it just boils down to con, right? Like, welcome to my theories class. <laughs> I hate your theories class. Your theories class is hard. Um, like, I think human nature is all about survival, but what survival is depends on what generation you were born into and what the technology is today. But I think it's all the same. I mean, I think survival is is essential. Like, you don't have to be thriving in order to survive. You can eat, like, you can, you can squeeze by without being the richest, healthiest, you know, like you don't have to be top of the food chain just to live. Sure. Um, I think survival is more like, yeah, I'd say it's probably human nature to put yourself first. I don't necessarily think if we started fresh, that would mean we ended up in technology though. You know, that's like, I I don't, to bring it back to this, because... I think you can debate theories all you want, but until they're in practice, there's not really any context for it. So if you put it in the context of like the book, for example, um, if you start fresh, survival doesn't necessarily mean like 
I have to win over the animals at all times. I can be one of the animals and still survive. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know where D would end up. I don't necessarily agree that, that they would end up in technology because that's like the best way to survive. Like maybe humans would eventually realize they could be top of the food chain and that would lead to technology and, and that again. But like doesn't necessarily mean like I don't know, because cause then, then I'm, like, I'm thinking about how humans, what makes us human is that, like, we started using tools, right? That's mm-hmm. where that's where they draw the line between, like, cavemen and pre-cavemen. Neanderthals. <laughs> yes, thank you. No, the cavemen were Neanderthals. Yeah, but Neanderthals versus, like, humanoids. Yeah, okay. Because um, that, that, I mean, using tools is what sets you apart from the animals, theoretically. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think that there's something to be said about, like, self-control. Because, ideally, in D's new generation, they are raised with different values and leaning more on nature and not needing technology. I think that they would still... I think technology would still exist. I don't see a world where technology doesn't exist. But I think the level of self-control and dependency would be different. And maybe as generations go on, it would be less and less so. But I truly don't see a world in which D doesn't have technology. So maybe it's a self-control thing. It might be. Or a different, like a, like like a values different thing. values. Yeah. I don't know. It's a very hard conversation. It's a really hard, it's a hard idea. It's a hard topic. It's like, I understand why that theory class is so difficult. It's why I hated my philosophy class in college. Yeah. Like, I don't understand people who get degrees in philosophy because like, you must be sadists. Like, yeah, like, no, they all are. Because <laughs> the, you, that my point stands. Like, you can debate theories all you want, but until you put them in practice, they don't really mean anything to I me. I kind of hate philosophers, to be quite honest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting conversation. Definitely, um, it almost just comes down to like. Do you choose to believe in the good or the bad? And at the end of the day, crows before hoes. Crows before (laughs) hoes. We just like, we just devolved from like, like you dildo nosed potato to a fundamental discussion of the nature of humanity. And if you recall from last year, last March, we did How to Find Love in a Bookshop. Mm -hmm. So sticking with that theme of kind of like one day brunch reads bookshop theme, we will be reading Bookish Life of Nina Hill by Abby Wexman. Yes. Um, Here's a quick synopsis for you. The only child of a single mother, Nina has her life just as she wants it. A job in a bookstore, a kick butt trivia team, a world class planner, and a cat named Phil. She's us. She's us. If she sometimes suspects there might be more to life than reading, she just shrugs and picks up a new book. Mm-hmm. 
When the father Nina never knew existed suddenly dies, leaving behind innumerable sisters, brothers, nieces, and nephews, Nina is horrified. They all live close by. They're all, or mostly all, excited to meet her. She'll have to speak to strangers. It's a disaster. <laughs> and as if, that, as if that wasn't enough, Tom, her trivia nemesis, has turned out to be cute, funny, and deeply interested in getting to know her. Doesn't he realize what a terrible idea that is? <laughs> I'm seeing flashbacks of my personal life. <laughs> Nina considers her options. One, completely change her name and appearance. Too drastic, plus she likes her hair. Number two, flee to a deserted island. Hard pass, see coffee. Number three, hide in a corner of her apartment and rock back and forth. Already doing it. It's time for Nina to come out of her comfortable shell, but she isn't convinced real life could ever live up to fiction. It's going to take a brand new family, a persistent suitor, and the combined effects of ice cream and trivia to make her turn... To make her turn her own fresh page. Amazing. So that is the book for March. The Bookish Life of Nina Hill by Abby Waxman. Pick it up. Start reading. Join the conversation. We are very excited for it. And I do not expect any deep conversations about the nature of humanity. Hopefully not. Because this is about books and trivia. And that's where we rely. And love. Right? I mean, that's brunch read, beach read. We're going for like a cute love story. I need something light for March. And we happen to pick one that also just mimics us. I feel like... I mean, Nina, Nina could be short for Christina. And, and Nina is also short for Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we'll be reading. Pick yours up. Um, stay tuned for the upcoming uh, poetry episode. Yes. Thank you guys for your understanding. Grad school is hard and we will only be posting two episodes a month um, for the year of 2020. But you know, um, who needs screens anyway? Yeah, exactly. As to let us learn. Exactly. So, um... We'll see. Maybe we revisit when we graduate. But for yes. now, two a month is doable, manageable. We don't want to stop. So, because um, we're addicted. L O. <laughs> I hate that I said that. Okay. All right. This has been Read Between the Vines with Jackie Berkeley and Chrissy Schreiber. And I don't know why I started talking. And Genghis it. the Cat. And Genghis the Cat. Yeah. episode because that would be a beautiful title. Nina is also Nina short, short for Jackie. Jackie. You can edit it. Listen, we have editing power. We do. We do. Alexa, leave it. Leave it. <laughs>